This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, hey, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Like you, every week, I seem to see another story about a musician having something thrown at them on stage. Let me just read to you some of these headlines. Drake, hit by cell phone, fan throws on stage during concert. Pink, stunned by fan throwing their mother's ashes onto stage during show. Ava Max, slapped by concert goer on stage. And after reading these, I can't help but ask, what? And then also, why? It makes no sense to me. Why would you pay so much money to stand on the floor of a big concert only to try to physically harm the person you allegedly adore? Make it make sense, please. Many factors have come together to create this perfect storm of stressful, expensive concert experiences. I spent all summer thinking about this, but it wasn't until I watched YouTuber Tiffany Ferguson's breakdown last week that something clicked. Wanting that high cost and effort to be worth it and seeking out that dream experience that you've been imagining and hoping for can potentially, one, either make you extra sensitive to everyone else around you, anyone being annoying or disruptive, or two, can even make you act selfishly in pursuit of your perfect night. Entitlement. As ticket prices soar, the never-ending barrage of products to buy keep coming. I mean, how many vinyl variants can one artist sell? And as we're closer than ever, but also further away from our faves because of the infinite content feed of social media, it starts to almost make sense why fans are acting out. After all that devotion, maybe they feel entitled to their favorite artist's attention. The big question, when we're at a concert, are we all in it for ourselves or for a collective experience. Tiffany and I are getting into concert etiquette today. Agree or disagree with our rules, there's no denying things are getting out of hand. And I want to know why. Tiffany, welcome to It's Been a Minute. Thank you for having me, Brittany. I'm very excited. Okay, so we're going to talk about something that you have spent a lot of time thinking about (laughs) and something that we on our team have been talking about for months, which is the sad, sorry state of concert slash audience etiquette right now. It is bad. I want to dig into this idea of etiquette because it's definitely about courtesy to the other people who are attending a show around you. But people seem to have also lost their way when it comes to etiquette regarding the performer, like the artist they're literally paying to see. Mm-hmm. In general, concerts are these big public spaces, and at least in American culture, I'll say. I'm not sure if people really fully get that. Yeah, that's what I keep coming back to and what continues to blow my mind is I'm like, I really don't see how people can be either that inconsiderate, that unaware of how they're affecting other people or the performers. <laughs> if everyone keeps turning <laughs> around looking at you, like maybe, maybe take that as a sign or if someone has to speak up. Definitely listen. If the crowd is literally preventing the artist from performing, which I read so many subreddits and Mm -hmm. a lot of people said that they were like, oh, at this show, the artist literally stopped or started crying or mentioned it in in an interview later that they were having a horrible time. 
And it's just like, again, these are their self-proclaimed biggest fans. And yet Mm. they're just disrespecting those performers. It's very strange. A lot of, to me, what we consider etiquette comes down to like, you know, the setting and the vibe of the artist. I saw Jay-Z and Kanye West, I think, uh, around the time of Watch the Throne, I wouldn't imagine you'd go to their show and sit down and stare at them. <laughs> you know, that, that might be considered rude. Or like I've been to shows where people, you know, like punk shows and things like that, where people are moshing and stuff like that. And I think that there are some performers who might be like, am I penetrating the audience? Like, am I making an impact <laughs> if that doesn't happen? But you wouldn't conduct yourself at like a Fugazi show the same way you conduct yourself at like an Adele show. Like, <laughs> I, I wonder, do you have a personal code of conduct at concerts, like your own personal commandments for how to be in that kind of space? At most shows, I like to be in the back. I am now afraid of crowds a little bit. So I like to have some space. I do not want to be squished or pushed. I'm probably a very um, stand there and bob my head and smile and like sing quietly to myself. But like, that's my (laughs) vibe. But also I listen to a lot of like sad indie pop. So so that's my vibe. Uh, See, I, aside from dancing and singing along, and like taking a few short videos. I mostly just try to enjoy myself and like not get in any fights. I don't know. I I actually have like a high tolerance for other people's noise and enthusiasm. I grew up going to a black church. So I'm used to like the call and response of that kind of environment. I'm used to going to movie theaters where people like shout at the screen. And I know, I know that's become a big, a very touchy subject recently. The movies get me. Uh It really doesn't bother me. I don't know. I don't know. Recent fan behavior has gone way beyond that. It's not just weird or rude. It's become kind of dangerous. Like BB Rexa was taken to a hospital because her forehead was literally split open when a supposed fan threw a smartphone at her head, split her head open. That happened this past summer. And she's not the only artist who had an object thrown at them. It's like Kelsey Ballerini. It's Pink. It's Harry Styles. It's Cardi B. Like... Where do you think this trend of physical attacks is coming from? This is this is becoming a thing. Yeah, I know. I found obviously older examples like when Ozzy Osbourne got the dead bat thrown at him and he didn't realize oh, yeah. it was a real bat and he bit its head and off. And he bit the head off. Love yeah. that. Um, and then one other example was like David Bowie. Someone threw a lollipop and the stick got stuck in his eye. That one, body horror. I, I was did like, not know that, my judge. <laughs> I know. I, I saw the pictures that. and I was like, I want to unlearn that. Oh my gosh. But um, yeah, when it comes to people <laughs> throwing like, I've seen water bottles, I've seen a lot of phones. I'm like, I guess the phones is that they want the artist to like pick it up or maybe it's filming and they're going to like, but I'm like, think it through. What are you think doing? That's, that's absurd. Know. And yeah, hello. These things are a brick. You're going to, you're going to hurt somebody. The physics of that, like a heavy phone accelerating, you know what I mean? Into like the a force crowd, of that. Into a person, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I wonder where do you think that trend is coming from? Like this of, of like the physical attacks against these artists that people at most claim to love and at the very least paid to see. Yeah. One of the writers that I referenced was talking about trying to like shoehorn yourself into fan lore. By having one of those moments. Oh, Kate Solomon uh, yes. from The Guardian. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Trying to insert yourself into fan lore via extreme acts. Mm. The most absurd screaming, taking any opportunity they can to try to get their faves attention, throwing things that 
are more likely to cause a reaction. And it's like, again, at at what cost? Apparently at any cost, just to have your moment. (laughs) It's almost as if there's like a force field around the artist and you're trying to prove that you could penetrate it. Hmm. That space should be really sacred for the performer to feel safe, knowing that people are intentionally trying to go out of their way to like get in your space or affect you that way is very disturbing, I think. Something else that I it makes me think of is kind of like the depersonalization that comes with how stan and fan culture works now. Before, if you were a fan of an artist, you would buy their CDs, you'd go to their concerts, you'd watch their award show appearances or late night show appearances, maybe go on like fan forums or something <laughs> like that. But again, a very like mediated experience. You're not constantly getting out, you know what I'm saying? You're not constantly getting like a feed of what they're doing all the time. And now that's not the case. Like so many more of our stars are way more accessible than they ever have been. I'm not sure that all stands think of these stars as human beings, but more like as products they're consuming. How do you see our screen heavy stand culture as related to our current moment in concert etiquette? That's a great question. I do wonder, I'm like, what is it like to be so dedicated and to be putting in the work? Kate Solomon also wrote about how so many fans literally put in hours and hours and hours of unpaid labor for their faves, like Mm -hmm. marketing, promotion, Mm -hmm. hype. And yeah, you don't get anything back from that. And so this exchange starts to be very complicated because it feels like as a fan or a stan, you're constantly giving Mm. and giving and giving to the artist. And I think Mm. that's where some of that resentment might breed, where it's like, I literally dedicated my life to you. I've got a Stan Twitter account, you know, I buy everything, you know, you sell, I try to get tickets, I'll pay thousands of dollars for them. And I still don't get to meet my fave or I still don't get to be acknowledged. That's a very interesting point that you raised, though. Like one of the things that I was talking with one of our producers, Corey Antonio, about is the idea of stands as like the stewards of an artist's legacy. Mm-hmm. I think specifically of someone like Nicki Minaj. They make it so that when their fave, Nicki, is in the middle of a lot of controversy, they are there to remind everyone of what their fave is capable of. Mm-hmm. And also to create pathways for new fans to be recruited and to you know, join, you know, their stand-up. I really hadn't thought about feeling like you're having this one-sided relationship where you're doing all this labor for this artist who is not acknowledging you. But I mean, when you put it that way, I can see how the ground is fertile for an unhealthy thought pattern to crop up in a supposed fan who feels like, oh, it's worth me throwing something at this person, throwing something at whoever I claim to love so that they'll pay attention to me. The other thing I've been thinking about too, though, is like, is that video evidence that you are causing a ruckus, getting their attention, (laughs) um, that you're at the concert, that you're wearing the outfit, that you have floor seats, like video and photographic evidence of that is also very crucial to performing your stand-up or even just to getting attention online, regardless of whether or not you even care about this person. People are very defensive about their filming of concerts. There have been a lot of (laughs) fights uh, that have been started. Mitski was one of those artists who had asked, please, basically, can we please tone it down with the phones a little bit? Let's enjoy the moment. I like to look out and see faces, not just a bunch of phones in the air. And a lot of fans had a problem with that. Hmm. You know, they explained their reasoning of why they need to film most of the concert or they absolutely do watch all the clips back. I'm like, 
Do you? Do you though? I mean, some people do. Some people do. <laughs> I, I personally, I don't think I've ever watched. My husband definitely does. He doesn't film all the way through, but he, the things that he films, watch the he highlights, will rewatch them, and well, that's cute. I'm like, again. at yes, least yes. if you are gonna film it. Please do watch it back and enjoy it. And I hope you get a full feeling from that, you know, from reliving it. <laughs> but then there's the the photo shoots. Was it Miranda Lambert? Oh, the country singer? Yeah, yelling at the, the headline I saw was like, Miranda Lambert yells at fans yes. during the show for taking a selfie. But then I think it turned out that they were literally taking like flash pictures with each other in the middle of the show. No, <laughs> no if you're like staging a photo shoot, yeah, the performer's going to notice and they're going to feel disrespected. But again, people, some people defend their right to do these things. And I'm like, well, these are the conversations we need to be having. If we're going to rewrite concert etiquette, maybe maybe we can change the rules. But yeah, in my mind, I'm like, if you want to take pictures like that, take it before the opener starts. Get your little stadium shots and you'll be good. Mm. Coming up. Tiffany and I are getting into how all that money fans are coughing up for their faves could be contributing to a sense of entitlement at a concert. We'll be right back. This message comes from NPR sponsor Discover. Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Employees are the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers group dental, vision, life, and disability plans designed to protect them. Exceptional service, broad networks, and modern benefits. That's the power of human care. This episode's sponsor is PwC, which offers the following message. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. PwC pairs the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud. Fuel innovation with responsible AI and detect risks before they become headlines. Human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of the new equation from PwC. A word that came up that you used in your video to describe fan behavior uh, was entitlement. Mm. Like we've arrived at this moment because almost like the perfect marriage between fervent fan culture, but also the impossible costs and the impossible ticket buying process for attending shows. Talk to me about how the process of getting tickets for a show is also affecting fan concert behavior. Yeah, the most shocking thing that I discovered was allegedly Ticketmaster working with artists to set aside a lot of tickets to be resold by the artists or like the venues themselves. Yes, I think when fans go and they're like, okay, there's millions and millions of fans, but the stadium has 80,000 seats. So maybe I'll be able to get one, but it's like, no, really only like 20% of the tickets are going to be available during that presale. So no wonder they sell out even faster. <laughs> I was really shocked to learn that Live Nation had admitted to Billboard <laughs> that it had helped artists scalp their own tickets to make more money. I guess like the claim being that, well, if bots and independent 
scalpers are going to be reselling these tickets and making money off of them anyway, the artist or Ticketmaster or whoever should be cut into this, you know, cut down this action, basically. And that's before you even get to like the processing fee, the delivery fee, which I'm like, you're going to email me? It's $15? (laughs) Like all of that is a lot of mental energy and a lot of money that still many fans are willing to put up with. How does that, I guess, climate, ticket buying climate, feed back into this idea of fan entitlement? There is true entitlement. Like when people are straight up saying, I paid X amount, I deserve to act this way, that way. Okay, so you're saying you're entitled to act this way or to, you know, bother the people around you because... Mm -hmm. You paid money, even though they also paid money. And they're trying to have a good time, too. Hmm, That's interesting. What I kept going back to was that idea of, like, concerts are a shared community experience. Not to over-romanticize it, but it's like you are sharing this wonderful experience with other fans. You're literally in the physical space and proximity of this artist that you really like. And that should be a really positive and magical thing to experience together. But... I think when each concert goer maybe gets a little too wrapped up in their own very personal experience at the expense of others, that's where it's like, okay, is there a disconnect here? For you, is the concert really about (laughs) exactly what you wear and how you look and what content you're able able to capture? And Hmm. again, I'm saying this as a YouTuber, I know. It's all about the content, (laughs) baby. We got to get that engagement. I get it. But uh, I genuinely want to ask people I'm like do you care more about the content you get from it than the physical few hours that you get to be there some people yeah they would probably say I find more value in what I can create like the pictures and the videos rather than the fleeting moment that you get to experience Hmm. it's just like a a philosophical difference you know just thinking big ticket prices are in the stratosphere fans are obnoxious And performers are kind of under attack physically. (laughs) How do we get out of this moment? How do we get out of this? Well, some people have suggested just straight up like boycotting these sorts of like big arena shows. But no, in terms of like other solutions, something else I suggested was trying to, to either seek out smaller artists or pay attention to who else you listen to and what other smaller artists are touring or performing near you. um, Because, you know, those sorts of shows are going to be a lot more accessible, typically, in terms of price and hopefully not as intense as a big arena show. And then you get the benefit of like, you know, being in a smaller room with your with your new fave. (laughs) I also love the idea of live streaming concerts to movie theaters, but the way I want it, because I know that they're going to make more concert movies. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. a documentary. I'm talking about live. No, just in live the city. streaming. Yes. Like exactly. they do with the opera. They do it all the time with the opera at different, at different movie theaters around the country where they're like, I think the Met or something like that will be like, all right, here's our live show. You can watch exactly. it in this movie theater. And that would be so nice. It would be so nice. I know Taylor Swift is about to do that have many curiosities about that. It's interesting, like the one of the solutions that you've offered, it's like, wow, we've created a concert culture <laughs> that is so unappealing and so uncomfortable, so vile, that it's like, what if what if we just didn't go? <laughs> like what if, what if just... I wasn't there, but I could still kind of see and hear the action? <laughs> I would love that. And that's the problem with being too um introverted. 
to be honest, with these big arena shows, if you're way high in the nosebleeds, you're only looking at the the big screens anyway. <laughs> That's actually very Maybe true. we trick ourselves mentally and holograms, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bring on the holograms, put them in the movie theaters, and it'll be just like the real thing. I'm going to sell this idea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tiffany, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. It was so much fun to talk with you after watching this video. And, and t- like I said, our team, we have been talking about this for months. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. That was Tiffany Ferguson. She's a YouTube commentator focusing on media and Internet culture. You can find her at Tiffany Ferg. This episode was produced by Barton Girdwood, and it was edited by Jessica Placek and Bilal Qureshi. I'm Brittany Luce. We'll be back this Friday with more from It's Been a Minute from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR.